We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week. I'm Blair Andrews. My co-host, as always, my co-host, as always, is Hassan Rahim. Hassan, how's it going? It's going uh, fantastic. We had a, just a, another tremendous week three. Uh, you know, it's um, been a really fun few weeks, despite all the injuries across the NFL. I mean, uh, you know, there's a there's a squad that you and I uh, co-own with uh, friends Pat and Pete. And uh, through three weeks, we have yet to have more than one of our first first five round uh, picks uh, active, right? So, uh, <laughs> you know, we're we're having we're, we're we're struggling through here, but you know, I can't really complain. It's been really fun. That's right. A lot of injuries, but a lot of scoring too. So it's all good. Um, but yeah, we'll get into all of that and a lot more with our guest today. Joining us on the show is Pat Fitzmorris. Pat is a contributor to thefootballgirl.com. You can follow him on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Pat, thanks for joining us. How's it going? Great, Blair. Nice to join you and Hassan. And uh, yeah, like you said, a lot of scoring, a lot of injuries, and I'd almost forgotten I was just so glad to have football back that I'd almost forgotten that NFL officials aren't very good. And I was kind of reminded of that this <laughs> week. But um, I don't know. I was uh, talking to this about a friend earlier today, and we were saying, you know, back in the dog days of, like, late May when we were wondering when we were going to get live sports again. Like, if you could have given us, you know, the assurance that we would have a football season with the – typically bad NFL officiating, even 20% worse, would you take it? And I think we would have signed up for it in a heartbeat. So uh, 
so be it. Some bad pass interference calls, some bad, uh, you know, interception calls in the end zone. Uh, a couple of the same types of calls duplicated in games, but it was interesting. It was fun. Um, yeah, and the injuries are starting to mount just as we head into the bye week. So uh, depth is going to be tested for everyone this year, I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah, one of those guys who could end up being pretty useful if you've lost a lot of your um, high draft picks actually had a pretty good game today. Justin Jefferson caught seven of nine targets for 175 yards and a touchdown in the Vikings' week three loss to the Titans. So, Pat Jefferson really broke out in a big way. He not only outproduced Adam Thielen, but he saw more targets than Thielen did as well. So do you expect this target split to continue? I think Thielen is probably going to stay the alpha target here, but it was just encouraging to see that role uh, expand for Jefferson after, you know, we've gotten the training camp reports that he wasn't really that into the mix that he was coming along sort of slowly. And, uh, you know, then after the first couple of weeks, you just wondered if he was going to become a thing this year, if it was just going to be one of these down, uh, rookie years. But now with him showing, showing out like this and with the Vikings seemingly destined to be in a lot of past friendly game scripts this year, since their defense isn't very good, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's promising for Je- Jefferson to actually be fantasy relevant. And I think the Thielen owners have to be happy, too, that, you know, maybe if Jefferson is performing well, defenses aren't going to be able to roll safety help toward Thielen or, you know, give him extra defensive attention. So that, you know, that might keep opponents a little honest there. Yeah, so the one thing that I really like uh, a little bit about this is uh, like the whole week people spent, you know, just taking Kirk Cousins to the woodshed. And you know what? Frankly, it's deserved. He's not a particularly great quarterback. Um, but uh, the one heartening thing that I take away from this, even though the Vikings are 0-3 if you're a um, Vikings fan, is that at the very least, Zimmer isn't incorrigible. Like, like, like last week, they rolled over and died against the Colts. I don't know what that was. It was gross. Um, but at the very, and you know, I mean, like Cousins threw three ends, but like even over here, although he turned the ball over twice, they were fairly competitive all the way until the end. And they almost, you know, beat, uh, the Titans, uh, which is good to see. Um, I think much like you said, Jefferson's emergence will be good for Thielen, uh, in the long run. But, um, I mean, you know, <laughs> there were some analysts who were pretty quick to, uh, to, to dance on, on, on Jefferson's grave. Uh, even our own, uh, Sean Siegel had like updated dynasty rookie rankings where Jefferson was fairly low, uh, in the, in his, uh, week two, um, you know, way too early, uh, round one, like, you know, redraft of the first two rounds for rookies. Um, so, I mean, Blair, you gotta be, uh, kind of stoked on this, if only because you're a, you were the guy who called, uh, Jefferson as a potential, you know, smash in this class. <laughs> um, yeah, I was pretty high on Jefferson just because of a lot of elements of his prospect profile. But, you know, obviously, I think the thing that everyone was concerned about was the landing spot. And I guess if, as you said, Pat, this Vikings defense is going to be this inept and the Vikings are going to have to throw. 
um, a lot and Zimmer is actually going to be doing that, then, then yeah, wheels up for Jefferson. I mean, uh, he was one of the only prospects in the class to declare as a true junior and to break out before he turned 20 in college. So, um, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of positive signals there for him. So it's really, uh, nice to see him doing well. Um, you know, I think you're, you're both probably right that it, it actually is a, a boon for Thielen more than anything, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I definitely can see in scripts that are more friendly for, uh, the Vikings or more, uh, where they don't have to pass as much. Maybe Jefferson takes some of those targets we expect to go to Thielen. Uh, do you guys see that happening at all? Yes. Um, so you know how we've spent a lot of time this off season with people being snarky about, uh, Things such as Michael Gallup is a real wide receiver one for uh, Dallas or um, there are a couple of other ones that I'm forgetting now. Oh, yeah, you know, Curtis Samuel should be closer as the 1B to DJ Moore's 1A last year, right? Like, we see how wrong uh, fantasy analysts are on that, like, almost immediately. Uh, in this case, I am fairly comfortable in stating that we're going to end the year with Jefferson emerging as the 1B to Thielen's 1A. Um, and that's kind of why they selected him in the first round, right? And it's kind of the profile that he's had this whole time. Uh, and that was, like, really interesting because, you know, the, the coaching staff went out of its way to praise uh, veteran presence B.C. Johnson this offseason, right? And he was, uh, I, th- I, he was, I think he's, a- he was active. I don't know what he did today. I, 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 apparently he's now running behind Chad BB, right? And so, like, um, I don't know about you guys, but during, you know, in the best ball drafts, I was just taking Justin Jefferson because, like, fantasy gamers were just letting him fall so far. And I was like, this is fine by me. Um, what are your thoughts, Pat? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and I like how you, uh, sort of cleared yourself, Hassan, of, of getting the, uh, accusation of being like the fantasy, fantasy hipster guy with, uh, touting Thielen <laughs> and, uh, Jefferson as like kind of close, uh, like people were with, you know, saying Gallup was the true wide receiver one or, or Samuel is close to more some of the other hipster takes. But no, um, it, it what I think, with this, that's really interesting is how, I mean, it seems like this, the top of this wide receiver class was almost distributed in a way like they were being handicapped. So it was hard to figure out who you wanted in redraft, like with their landing mm-hmm. spots, you know, like Lamb and Judy were considered the top pure prospects in terms of talent. But Lamb goes to a spot where there are already two good receivers in place. Judy goes to a place where there's a, a pretty green quarterback operating. Um, you know, some of the other guys who were maybe lesser prospects went to slightly seemingly better situations. So it was kind of hard to tell, like, you know, who should be the first rookie wide receiver in redraft. Should it be Ruggs? Should it be Lamb? Should it be Judy? You know, I think the consensus ultimately came down with Lamb, but Jefferson was maybe a guy people just kind of forgot about over the summer. And I know, um, you know, Blair was high on him. I know Rich Rebar was high on him as a, a guy he really wanted in like rookie redrafts, um, or I mean rookie dynasty drafts. 
And uh, yeah, like just the fact that it was kind of quiet and there was no real buzz about Jefferson over over the summer just kind of caused him to go underneath the radar. And, and now he's in on the radar in a big way after this performance in week three. Yeah, if he's some, somehow, some way not rostered, you really do need to roster him. Um, this this Vikings defense is terrible. They really they can't generate pass rush. They don't have anyone in coverage. Uh, they've got, I mean, maybe Daniel Hunter, like, reemerging might change some of that, but he's still one guy, you know? I mean, like, he's not, like, a full, he's not going to transform this unit into a, a suddenly immaculate defense, right? So um, we're going to see a little bit more of this. I, the one thing that I did find interesting was that we're finally seeing a little bit more receiving work here for Dalvin Cook, you know, five targets today. Um do you think that kind of keeps up as we head into negative script? And, and what does that mean for Alexander Madison? Yeah, I would think Cook is going to be part of the passing game. I mean, you, that's what, uh, you know, the, the people who drafted Cook were hoping for, right? That he's not just pure running. And I, I kind of think that they do need to get him into this passing game a little more because they just don't have much firepower at tight end. They don't have much firepower further down the line at receiver with, you know, BC Johnson and, and Tajay Sharp, who I think was inactive today in favor of like Chad Beebe. So they're, they're pretty thin beyond Thielen and Jefferson. So I do think they kind of need Cook to be involved here. Tyler Boyd got 10 of 13 targets for 125 yards in the Bengals' week three tie with the Eagles. Pat, uh, um, fantasy analysts last week, they were calling A.J. Green a buy-low candidate. Um, this is my own my only real hipster take this offseason was Boyd is a wide receiver one in, in this offense. And it took it took about three weeks to realize that, you know. So in your opinion, has Boyd usurped Green as a wide receiver one? Well, uh so I have been growing a goatee during the pandemic, Hassan. So I guess I'm joining you in the hipster uh, train on this one because I did have Boyd ranked ahead of Green in redraft ranks. Um, and, and now I think that's kind of being made clear. Like he's not the, the true wide receiver one in the, the true alpha receiver sense, I guess. You know, he's the, the possession receiver who works the middle of the field. Um, but I think we're going to see much more consistency out of Boyd than we are with AJ Green. And I mean, man, with AJ Green, I think you mentioned it, Hassan, the reason that um, people may be seeing him as a buy low was the fact that he was getting so many targeted air yards the first two weeks. But I mean, he has been wearing defenders like a blanket early on and you know it it doesn't really do good with those targeted air yards if you can't get any separation um you know the first two games he has averaged 3.6 yards per target and then in week three he was targeted six times and had 36 yards so that's six yards per target uh and that actually bumps up his yards per target on the season so that's not too impressive (laughs) right now and i think maybe the guy who um is also kind of a threat to aj green's fantasy value now is uh t higgins who's really showing out and uh who i'm I'm hoping that i was the only person in scott fishbowl who actually started t higgins this week and uh, nice benefited from that so um you know that might be more of a sad commentary on my roster than (laughs) on uh, any amazing foresight but um 
you know, Higgins is actually looking pretty good. And the fact that the Bengals didn't activate John Ross for this game, that they had him as a healthy scratch, you know, really sort of heralded that this was, um, you know, going to be the, the launching pad for T Higgins. Although I think in week two, he, he played more than 50% of the snap. So you could kind of see the momentum building and, um, you know, I, I think he gives them a solid third receiver now. So, uh, you know, that might threaten AJ Green's target share a little bit going forward. And, um, you know, buy low, if you bought low, I, I think that was probably a mistake. And like, if there's any way for you to get out from under AJ Green right now, that might not be a bad idea. Um, would you trade AJ Green for T Higgins? Oh man, uh, that's tough. <laughs> I have a, I, I have a follow up. Do you think that would even be accepted? So I mean, like, <laughs> you're talking just redraft, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I think, I think I would still rather have AJ Green, but I'm not sure that's the right answer. Right, it's close. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting how how chalky Green became this week. When, I mean, like you said, because of all the air yards and targets, but of, you know, as you said, 3.6 or whatever yards per target, he just was not good on those targets. And what we have seen in the past, even on a week to week basis, is that efficiency tends to lead to more opportunity. And I guess, uh, the inverse is probably also true in efficiency, you know, the people who are efficient are taking targets from you if you are not are not uh, performing with your targets. So yeah, I definitely uh, I have been calling Boyd the wide receiver one in this offense for probably too long. But uh, it's nice of you guys to catch up. Hey hey yeah yeah because you stole my take. <laughs> yeah maybe. Yeah no I'm I'm with you like the one the one thing about like uh, you can I mean like so like. Citing stuff like yards and targets and air yards accrued, that's all backwards looking. It's not forwards looking. It really, um, like, like kind of like Blair said, the only thing that's really kind of predictive or holds any form of predictive value is realistically like your efficiency and, and quite frankly, your ability to beat your expected, you know, output. Um, you know, you can keep feeding a, a receiver who's inefficient a ton of volume, but if there's other better options, in your receiving core, that volume disappears. And I think that that's something that people are, are, are did not get, you know, because you're citing a very backwards looking stat. You're citing something that happened, not something that's really predictive of what's going to happen. I mean, if you're, if you're incompetent with the volume that you've been given, you're just not going to see more volume. That's just what's going to happen. And, um, you know, so, so, uh, uh, I guess that's a, that's a lesson. Um, in, in, in using backwards looking stats as a way to kind of say why this guy's going to break out because that volume is fairly fragile. And even though we know AJ Green has a name cachet, I mean, like realistically, he was, um, one of the guys who, uh, lined up fairly well on your, uh, with your research on uh, wide receiver bounce backs, right, Blair? On like why they won't bounce back. Uh, Green, yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, he's kind of old, so that's like the number one, the main factor in whether bounce backs are likely to occur is how old you are, kind of. So, uh, yeah, 
I mean, it, it's never really looked that good for Green over the last few seasons. So um, I think uh, all these people buying low, like you said, Pat, probably made a mistake. Yeah, just having had as many injuries as he had and then, you know, cresting 30, like it just seems like mm-hmm. kind of a fragile proposition to bet on him at this point. Yeah, that's the other thing, actually, is injuries do not seem to to bode well for successful bounce backs. It's actually harder to bounce back from an injury. At least that's what I found in some research, which is maybe a little bit counterintuitive when you think about people who, you know, miss a season because of because they get injured. You think, oh, once they're healthy, they'll be back to what they were. But that's probably uh, very rarely the case. You've counted on restaurants, and now they're counting on you. While their dining rooms may be closed, they're still open for delivery with DoorDash. DoorDash is the app that brings you the food you're craving right to your door. Ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be left safely outside your door with a new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Choose from your favorite national restaurants like Chipotle, Wendy's, and the Cheesecake Factory. And many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery, too. Just open the DoorDash app, select your favorite local spot, and your food is on its way. Plus, right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. That's $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store with code Blue wire. Don't forget that's code Blue Wire for five dollars off your first order with DoorDash. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than one percent of one percent of one percent of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch. Uh, you can't go to bars anymore, you know, but I'm still excited to see my hometown Baltimore Ravens face off against the Chiefs this Monday night from the comfort of my own home with a Pepsi in hand. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. All right, uh, let's get into our game this week. We're playing Fantasy Believe It or Not. Uh, Hassan, you want to run through the rules of this game? How's this going to work? Yeah, uh, played this with Dave Caban week one and, uh, you know, had a really great time. And I'm happy to have someone as his team as a bat on this show. So we're going to play one more time. And uh, basically the way this goes is we're going to talk about some some performances that maybe seem to be a little bit shocking. And Pat's going to tell us if we, sh- if we should buy into it and believe it or if we shouldn't. And let's, and let's start off with this guy, uh, Rex Burkhead, who rushed uh, six times for 49 yards and two touchdowns. In the Patriots' week three win over the Raiders, he also added seven catches for 49 additional yards and a third touchdown on 10 targets. Um, all right, so I'm going to say believe it in the sense that Burkhead was able to do a lot of damage today on a relatively small share of the work. and um, But they do seem to like him near the goal line. So obviously, you know, James White is going to, eventually come back after, you know, missing two games because of this tragic car accident that his parents were in that killed his dad and critically injured his mom. Um, you know, and, and White is certainly going to 
usurp some of this, uh, you know, these snaps and these touches that Burkhead was getting this week. But, you know, I think we've uh, seen that it's still not going to be Damian Harris time this year. I mean, that guy is just apparently mothballed for good for the, uh, you know, entirety of his rookie contract, it seems. But um, I do think this is going to be a, a three-headed James White, Sony Michelle, Rex Burkhead um, backfield. And, you know, there are going to be sneaky good Rex Burkhead games. I don't know if you're going to ever be able to trust him in a, a lineup from week to week or, or if there's even like a spot where you can see it coming. I mean, I guess there was this week possibly just because White was out. But um, – so, yeah, I mean, he is going to be involved, and, uh, you know, every once in a while, he's going to hit the sweet spot like he did this week. Yeah, any interest in J.J. Taylor, who had uh, 11 carries, actually led this backfield in carries, it looks like? Yeah, I, I, sh- I should have mentioned Taylor, too, that he uh, – kind of incredible that he is um, getting more run – then Damian Harris, you know, after Damian Harris was his big star at Alabama and JJ uh, Taylor is just this little dude. And I guess that's kind of my reservation <laughs> with him. I mean, he is just like one of the tiniest running backs I've ever seen. Like I can't think of, you know, I mean, if, if they're not even using him in sort of the Darren Sproles type role, which is how you would think a back that small would have to to fly to, you know, cut it as an NFL running back at that size. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of skeptical, but it, it is kind of amazing to me that he is getting more work than Damian Harris. Yeah, I believe, I believe Harris is, well, he was on IR. I think he's eligible to return next week, though. Yeah, I think so. But also, does it really matter? Like, uh, right. Like, right. I mean, like, I mean, like, like Cam's basically their best running back and best quarterback, right? Like, uh, I don't know about you guys, but like, uh, I mean, like, so Sony Michelle went off today, nine carries, 117 yards, right? Like, like these guys were gashing the Raiders on the ground, which I mean, the, the Raiders give it up to, to, to running backs. And like, and quite frankly, if, if Michelle continues playing like this, and they're using J.J. Taylor in the way that he is, and with you know Burkhead doing what he does. I really don't know what's changed between last year and this year. Like, but last year Michelle was terrible, and Damian Harris couldn't get on the field. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I heard all the stories about training camp, but like, we heard you know we heard all sorts of stories from training camp. We heard how B.C. Johnson is way superior to Justin Jefferson. Right, like training camp's training camp, you know, like, uh, like, and and I given that this is the year that, like, you know, uh, beat reporters couldn't really tell, you know, exactly what was going on and who was playing with what personnel. Like, all you're getting are fluff stories out of it, right? Like, I mean, come on, like, uh, like uh, we already saw Damian Harris do, like, he was active, like, in like what two games, and he got like almost no no run. I I don't know how that changes now. Like, I think you're gonna like. He's going to have to wait his turn, unfortunately, which is a bummer. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing about it is, like, the the Patriots, more than any other team, have almost embraced the, uh, since we're on the hipster narrative, the running backs don't matter narrative. Like, <laughs> the, the Patriots, like, almost want to play that out by just, like... And they were the... 
yeah, the originals there. Exactly. And they will just like totally confound you with their usage of running backs from week to week and the different guys who bubble up and how they'll, um, you know, but they are so interchangeable. Like they could withstand an injury. They can withstand like a tragedy like this James White thing. And, uh, you know, they just, they always have someone they can pull out. And uh, I don't know. I mean, who's to say that Damian Harris would not suddenly have value at some point later in the season or, or that J.J. Taylor would suddenly be a popular waiver addition at some point. But it it is kind of remarkable that they're just able to do this and, um, you know, just keep us guessing it like you cannot figure out the code as to which of the Patriots running backs is going to be valuable. Any week you could get like the, you know, the World War II code breakers in to try to crack the, the Belichick running back code and you just can't do it. It's impossible. Jarrell Henderson uh, rushed 20 times for 114 yards and a touchdown in the Rams' week three loss to the Bills. He also had a six yard reception. Uh, I believe it. Um, I, I think people were kind of overplaying Cam Akers. I don't know where you guys were on the Cam Akers thing before this. I was on him. You Scam were on Akers. Him. Scam Akers. <laughs> so I was, I was kind of agnostic. I mean, I just, like, he had that. I never know what to make of the guys who come out of college where they were getting bad blocking, played behind a bad offensive line, and were really productive. Like, I feel like those guys tend to be the darlings of the analyst crowd. Like, Kenneth Dixon was a notable guy in that area where like, you know, Kenneth Dixon was really productive despite this horrible um, offensive line in college and, and people kind of wanted to love him. And I guess, you know, maybe it wasn't the talent that was his issue so much as just, you know, couldn't get over the injury bug his first couple of years. But, um, you know, Cam Akers just looked so kind of straight line-ish in week one. And, um, you know, it was weird that – Henderson could never really get any sort of traction, even with Todd Gurley having injury issues last year. And then they bring in Akers, they've got Malcolm Brown, like, oh, okay, Henderson's just going to be this third wheel. And now he looks fantastic, and he looks like he's the lead guy. Um, But, I mean, he just has looked so much better than Cam Akers did in his one appearance so far. It's hard to see... um, you know, it's hard to see this backfield shifting real abruptly. Like, I, I think there's going to be a, a decent window of opportunity here for, you know, Henderson to make sure he's, you know, if not the lead guy in this back. I don't I don't think they're really looking for a lead guy, but I think he's going to be 1A in the committee for a while. So Henderson actually picked up an ankle injury uh, like last year. Um, in one of the handful, like early games where he was, um, uh, active and it hindered him like the entire season, I guess why he just looked so bad. And then he picked up mm-hmm. a hamstring injury in the preseason and people were just like, well, it's over. It's Malcolm Brown's season and Cam Akers. And like, again, I'm bullish on Cam, like long-term. Like, I think that this is an offense that's probably going to be Cam Henderson as your two running backs, right? Malcolm Brown, uh, I mean, you know, kudos to the guy. He had surgery in his pinky, comes back and plays and puts up like 2.7, uh, you know, yards per carry, seven carries, 19 yards. Just not going to get it done. Not when Henderson's ripping off about six, six yards a carry, right? Uh, I don't know if Henderson's going to remain this, um, 
explosive. Uh, I do, and I don't know how long if he's able to, you know, handle under, the, you know, the the, the how durable he's going to be with, uh, you know, getting this kind of a workload. But I'm optimistic on 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 Henderson uh, this um, this season for sure. Uh, I, I think we got him fairly cheaply uh, in our in our quad own team, and that was like. Well before, and we got him in the eleventh round. That was well before the news of the hamstring. So if you were able to get him at the fourteenth, fifteenth, sixteenth, or even found him hanging on waivers, congratulations, Brandon. I you caught five of eight targets for seventy yards and added thirty-one rushing yards and a rushing score in the Forty ers Week Three win over the Giants. Um, I I would say don't believe it. Um. I don't think he is going to be this dependable as both um, as, as kind of the all-purpose weapon, just because George Kittle is going to be back most likely next week. Um, I think we got word this week that Debo Samuel is expected back in week five. Um, it was interesting that they used Ayuk out of the backfield and, and pretty much right away to start that game. Um you know, especially when everyone was sort of trying to read the tea leaves on the 49ers backfield all week with, uh, you know, Jeff, Jeffrey Wilson and Jarek McKinnon and Jamichael Hasty. Um, so the, we've seen that the 49ers like to use Debo Samuel in the running game. Um, you know, I suppose they can have multiple wide receivers who do that and, uh, you know, makes them that much more unpredictable. But I think it's going to be tough to, depend on Ayuk and fantasy this week just because um you know we we know that the 49ers want to run the ball uh you know Kittle and Debo are certainly going to command targets um Ayuk did look good and that's a, a positive thing but it the usage picture I think looks kind of murky going forward so I'm not sure um you know what sort of value he's going to have the rest of the way Michael Gallup got six of nine targets for 138 yards and a touchdown in the Cowboys' week three loss to the Seahawks. Uh, believe it. I mean, we've seen this now. Like, it's kind of almost random as to which of the uh, Cowboys receivers is going to click from a fantasy standpoint. And the good thing is, I mean, they're so, uh, you know, there are a lot of passing yards and touchdowns to go around. So uh, there were even enough to go around for Cedric Wilson this week and uh, pretty much for everyone except CD lamb this week, he was the odd man out, but Gallup had kind of been the odd man out in the first two weeks. Um, you know, and I think a lot of people were seeing him as a buy low. You know, I, I know that some people were actually asking me on Twitter if they should release Gallup this week and I was, you know, begging them not to. So hopefully, uh, you know, they, they did not do that, but there are going to be lean weeks for all of these guys, but, um, you know, I think we are going to see sort of a, a rotating hit list from week to week with these guys as far as which one really clicks. Keenan Allen caught 13 of 19 targets for 132 yards and a touchdown in the Chargers week three loss to the Panthers. Well, so, um, yeah, I'm curious about what you guys think of this and whether Justin Herbert is going to be able to support him as, uh, you know, maybe getting back into the borderline wide receiver one territory that Allen used to be in with 
Philip Rivers. Um, you know, I mean, the 19 targets is great. The, um, you know, the, the yardage for that amount of targets, I guess, is is a little less efficient than where you're used to seeing from Keenan Allen. I mean, 132 is a certainly, it's certainly a great day, but 19 targets, um, you know, and we know that Mike Williams sort of tweaked his, his hamstring in this game. Um, you know, if that's anything long-term, like targets could be very abundant for Keenan Allen going forward. But um, I don't know. I, I guess I was pretty pessimistic about <clears throat> Keenan Allen this year just because of the quarterback picture for the Chargers. And, um, you know, I definitely had my doubts about Tyrod Taylor's passing ability. But Herbert's been kind of a pleasant surprise in that regard through two weeks. So it's kind of making me a little more enthusiastic about Allen. Yeah, I agree with that. I think uh, um, I was down on Allen for the same reasons as you, kind of, and seeing that he, I mean, he appears to be Herbert's, you know, go-to target um, is is really uh, a good thing to see. Um, you know, it's I think it's a good thing that we saw Herbert get 49 attempts in this game, even though that's not going to be the norm. It's, it's, um, you know, it's a positive sign that they, they trusted him to throw the ball that much. I mean, maybe they didn't, you know, what choice do they have when they're, when they're losing? But, uh, yeah, seeing Allen get all those targets and also seeing Eckler get 11 targets, I think were both really good signs for, um, you know, kind of the, the high cost pieces of this offense that, really we're going to have their value torpedoed by Tyrod Taylor. So I'm definitely hopeful. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm with you guys. It's interesting seeing, I mean, like if Mike Williams is missing time, it really leaves a very skinny uh, target tree. Um, it looks like Herbert's like, or like Keenan Allen's definitely emerged as like the apple of Herbert's eye, but then you've also got Eckler who commanded double digit targets. He's back in the same role that we saw last year, like last year. And he caught all 11 targets too. So, you know, I mean, and then there's Hunter Henry, who's, you know, a pro, you know, uh, was fairly discounted as well. Um, so it'd be interesting. It's a bit of a bummer because I am a, like, I, I was drafting quite a bit of, uh, Mike Williams. Um, but you know, it is what it is. Is uh, he was his, the risk was totally fine. I thought like where, where, where we were getting him. So I was good with it. Um, yeah. I, I am kind of interested in Herbert. I mean, like, the, the 49 attempts, it's interesting because, like, they probably had to play pace up because they were, like, trailing so far from behind. But at the same time, the Chargers' defense is, uh, you know, it's, without Durbin James, it's just not the same, you know? Like, it's not as it's not as dangerous or threatening or just sort of there. Like, maybe this is kind of like that uh, Vikings is, uh, like, a Vikings uh, situation where they're going to be trailing a lot more than we think they are. Well, I thought, I thought it was pretty legit until not having, uh, Melvin Ingram, I think really hurt him this week. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, they made, mm-hmm. again, week one, they made Joe Burrow's life miserable with Bosa and Ingram coming off opposite edges. And then they had, uh, you know, having two good cornerbacks, Casey Hayward and Chris Harris, two guys who've, you know, been considered among the shutdown cornerbacks in the league. But now Harris got hurt today too and Ingram, uh, didn't play. So, you know, with that, uh, personnel sort of depleted a little bit, maybe you're right that they're going to be, uh, you know, not kind of in that, uh, 
mode that it looked like they might be in at the beginning of the season where they were going to be playing 16-13 games every week. Mike Davis rushed uh, 13 times for 46 yards, and he added eight receptions for 45 yards in the Panthers' Week 3 win over the Chargers. Um, I guess we have to believe this, and I'm guilty of kind of underselling Mike Davis, I think, in uh, my waiver column this week. Uh, you know, like I had him as, as the third or fourth running back, and – I guess what I didn't realize is how much they need him as sort of a a proxy for Christian McCaffrey's role as far as being used in the passing game. I mean, we saw him get, what, like six catches in garbage time late last week after McCaffrey went out. And I kind of dismissed that as just that, garbage time. They were behind, um, you know, sort of playing a little bit of hurry up. And, um, you know, no, this week we saw that, like, they definitely – Throwing to backs is a big part of the this Panthers offense. This, uh, you know, um, Joe Brady, Matt Rule scheme. So, um, yeah, I mean, like that's obviously really valuable in in PPR leagues. Um, so maybe Mike Davis has like almost you know top twenty weekly running back value for as long as Christian McCaffrey is out. Yeah, it's easy to forget that he uh, had almost, maybe not quite as much of a passing role, but almost the same kind of impact for Seattle, I want to say two years ago. Um, right, that was basically yeah, like the one good year of his career. Right. That, that year where he, um, yeah, was kind of their, their number two when I think they were just kind of not using Rashad Penny his rookie year. Is that it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jerry Judy caught five of eight targets for 55 yards in the Broncos' week three loss against the Bucks. A little disappointing, um, but, you know, just quarterback issues for the Broncos. They had to bench Jeff Driscoll, and, uh, you know, with Drew Locke not being ready, they're talking about having to start Brett Rippon next week. So I think Judy's an exciting talent, but unfortunately uh, the runway is not clear for liftoff. For takeoff just yet yeah i mean oh man the broncos this is a team that would genuinely kind of benefit from from tracking for trevor yes <laughs> yes mm-hmm. or justin fields or, or trey lance yeah, any of them yeah any of these top quarterbacks i don't know i mean i guess we gotta i suppose we we have to give drew lock time to see if he can be the guy but i mean that's going to be if they're in a position where they can get one of those quarterbacks, that's going to be an interesting dilemma for just move on. Just, just, just move on. Sunk cost fallacy. Like, like the Cardinals did, like, like they shipped Josh Rosen out and that was it, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. I suppose. I mean, if they have a chance at, at Trevor Lawrence, I don't think they're saying no to that. All right, moving on to regular news item number three. Nick Foles completed 16 of 29 passes for 188 yards with three touchdowns and an interception in a 30-26 to week three win over the Falcons. Pat Mitchell Trubisky was benched in the third quarter, and uh, Foles ended up you know, taking the Bears to a victory. So do you think he'll be the starter for the rest of the season? Yes, I do if he doesn't get hurt. 
um, because Trubisky was just so bad. And, um, you know, I, I think there was almost false hope for Trubisky in week one when he engineered that come from behind win over the Lions. But what was sort of glossed over in that game was that uh, Jeffrey Okuda didn't play in that game. And then Desmond Trufant and, um, oh man, I'm forgetting the name of uh, Detroit, Coleman. Is it Justin Coleman? Their slot cornerback who's pretty good. So all three of those guys, Okuda had a hamstring injury and then um, Coleman and Trufant both got a hamstring injury. So basically Trubisky led that comeback against, you know, more or less uh, guys who are practice squad type cornerbacks and look good at the end. And I mean, he just has been so mistake prone, um, you know, just doing dumb things, throwing three yards short of the sticks on third and nine. Like that's a, a constant mistake that I've seen Mitch Trubisky make over and over and over again, living here in the Chicago area. Um, you know, and, and thank God I'm not a Bears fan, by the way, because, uh, you know, I watch the Bears fans here around me tearing their hair out, and I can totally understand it watching the guy play. So, no, I don't think Mitch is going to come back, and I think this is good for Allen Robinson, who we saw really um, – I mean, he did catch a few of those passes today from Mitch Trubisky, but he caught most of them, including his touchdown from Nick Foles, um, and he – had another catch that it really should have been a touchdown, but, um, you know, after he had sort of come down in the end zone, a, a defender ripped it away and they rolled it at interception very questionably. Um, so I do think Foles is going to be good for Robinson's value because we saw Robinson have two pretty inefficient days in weeks one and two courtesy of Mitch Trubisky. Uh, you know, maybe it makes, Anthony Miller at least rosterable. I don't know about playable, but um, I mean, it, it does seem like this guy is too talented to be playing behind, uh, you know, rookie Darnell Mooney. Although I know some people like Mooney, but uh, it was kind of weird that Miller had a lower snap count than Mooney in week two, and then Miller resurfaced this week. So I don't know, with a better quarterback, maybe Miller can be uh, at least rosterable. So a good thing for the Bears pass catchers. Uh, and yeah, I do think Foles is going to be in it for the long haul. Yeah. I, uh, sorry, you were saying? No, I was just going to ask about Tariq Cohen because it looks like he, I don't know if it's actually been confirmed yet, but he probably tore his ACL. Um, what do you think kind of his absence does to this offense especially you know with the transition to Foles is that uh how big a loss is that for the Bears I mean it seems like it makes further cements um David Montgomery's volume uh you know unfortunately I I don't know if we can say it's going to be anything but sort of empty volume like he's not giving Mm -hmm. us that spark we need to see for to to think that he can be like a true running back one um and like i don't know what they're going to do if they're going to actually sign someone or if they're just going to say cordero patterson is a a running back now and he's going to be like our passing down back yeah patterson had four carries and and zero targets today so more of a running back than cohen was i guess (laughs) 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's weird. Like, they seem to – Matt Nagy does seem to want Patterson to have that role. And, I mean, he might just have to embrace it now unless they actually want to you know, go out and sign Lamar Miller, Isaiah Crowell, or whoever's left that they could possibly bring in. But, uh, you know, at this point it might just be, you know, Montgomery with occasional relief from Patterson and, and uh, Ryan Nall. Uh, Russell Wilson completed 27 of 40 passes for 315 yards and five touchdowns in the Seahawks' week three win over the Cowboys. Uh, Pat, it appears that the Seahawks' coaching staff is, uh, you know, letting uh, this uh, Russ guy into the kitchen and he's uh, cooking. Um, is this offense, uh, you know, what you expected a pass happy Seahawks offense to look like? And do you think Russell Wilson is a front runner for the NFL MVP award? I definitely didn't expect it. You know, I expected the same sort of stubborn streak that we've seen out of uh, Pete Carroll and Brian Schottenheimer and that they'd run the ball far too much. So this is really encouraging. I mean, it's just like not only letting Russ cook, but also seeing, uh, you know, DK Metcalf start to flourish and Tyler Lockett having, you know, the start of what could be his best season and, you know, three different tight ends getting involved for the Seahawks. So this is a lot of fun. Um is he the front runner for the MVP award? I, I mean, it would almost have to be a split ballot right now between Russell Wilson and Josh Allen, don't you think? I mean, and I definitely, um, and I tweeted something about this over the weekend, like, you know, it was great to see Josh Allen rip the Jets and Dolphins apart in the first two weeks, but let's see what he can do against the Rams, you know, this, this great defense. Well, I don't know about great, but like an above average defense with, you know, a true shutdown corner and Jalen Ramsey, this devastating force up front with Aaron Donald. And like, he handled it really well today. So, um, you know, I, I thought maybe the Josh Allen MVP talk was going to quickly subside, but he, uh, he delivered the goods in week three. So I don't know. Who do you guys think is the front runner for MVP? Uh, definitely, definitely Russ Wilson. Um, I think, uh, I think you're, you're, you're short selling, um, Aaron Rodgers a little bit. Uh, I think, I think Aaron Rodgers, just because of the name equity that he carries, he, uh, is definitely going to be making a case for himself, especially if, uh, the Packers beat the Saints. Note that we are recording and we are halfway through the, uh, the Packers Saints game. Um, about, uh, you know, about to head into the half here. So, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the, the backers lose and, and, and I look really stupid for saying that. But, you know, I think Rogers is a guy who's, you know, you know, the backers are two, two and oh. Um, and, you know, there's a bit of a stronger resume here, especially if they're going to New Orleans and beat the Saints there. Uh, the Rams were a West Coast team flying East to play the Bills and it kind of showed it also there were a couple of controversial calls. Uh, seems like Rams players are fairly upset with what went down at the end of the game and they, as they feel it like ruined their chances, um, at, um, a chance to win the game as well. Uh, Josh Allen MVP, I believe that he was a fantastic bet at 60 to 1 odds. That's what is being doubted. His current, uh, odds, uh, I'm not so sure. I don't have bet online pulled up. Um, but, uh, I think it's a little shorter than what you want to put money on. I believe Russ Wilson, when I last checked, was three to one. Um, I don't know, Bear, uh, uh, Blair, can you confirm? Uh, I don't have it up. Um, 
I'm not sure, but I would also have Russ as the front runner. I think the real test might come next week, and this is going to sound weird because they play at Miami, but I think that will be a test of whether whether they're really wanting to let Russ cook or just uh, are forced to because uh, you know they're playing in such close games against Atlanta and Dallas and even New England. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they do in a game that they should probably win um, pretty easily. So uh yeah that's my one concern that this is sort of just a uh you know a product of you know the circumstances they've faced so far um but i don't know yeah do do we think this is for real and is going to keep up the rest of the season well now they might not have the luxury of being able to run the ball as much as they want if this chris mm-hmm. carson knee injury that we saw earlier today is serious um you know, and we obviously recording Sunday night don't have full word on that. But, um, you know, if this backfield is, is down to uh, what Carlos Hyde and Travis Homer and, you know, waiting for maybe Rashad Penny to get off pop, um, you know, they might not have much choice uh, other than to, to keep up, you know, at, at very least a, um, you know, balanced offense, if not a little pass heavy. Yeah, yeah, it looks like the team is calling it a knee sprain. So, um, thankful that at this point it doesn't sound like he tore anything or it wasn't more serious, but still, uh, probably he'll be missing some time. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they, how they fill that in. Uh, I mean, they definitely have a lot of bodies there that they, they use in all kinds of various ways, giving no one a ton of value um, beyond Carson. I know Hassan is pretty high on Travis Homer, I think. Yeah. What's your yeah. take, Hassan? Yeah, I mean, Homer is someone who I would want if only because he at least is profiles as a pass catcher, um, and he's pretty quick. Uh, you know me, and it was like pretty gross suggesting this, but but but, but Carlos Hyde was someone who I was <laughs> I was taking fairly late. Uh, whether or not I, I didn't mean, want just, to mention that. Yeah, just because everybody is kind of grossed out by him, and so am I. But you were getting him so late that it was just like, well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna gonna be gross with this, and and I don't think I really don't know what my like overall basketball portfolio exposure is. If it's higher than like twelve percent, I'm going to be very upset with, with myself. But um, uh, but but uh, yeah, I I wanted to actually backtrack a little bit because if you know, I mean, again, if 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 the Seahawks are here in the process of you know allowing allowing Russell Wilson to be this um, tremendous chef, right? Uh, it's a fairly skinny usage tree in Lockett and Metcalf, and then just like everybody else, right? Like um. Give me a second. I want to scroll over to the game logs because this was just, I mean, so the Seahawks' defense does them absolutely zero favors, right? Like this is kind of like, unlike the Vikings who have, you know, Kurt Cousins under center, um, the Seahawks had Russell Wilson. So that's, you know, they've always got a chance at like staying in the game. Uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, Greg Olson got like six targets today, right? Like that should tell you exactly where we're at with this, with this offense. Um, it's fairly thin. Hollister got two targets. Will Disney got two targets. Freddie Swain got one target. 
and this they really need wide receiver help. But Metcalf and Lockett, like everyone was convinced that like Metcalf was going too high. And Pat, were you one of those people or like was it justified just because of how thin this target tree really was? No, I was kind of all in on Lockett and um I actually had or, or I'm sorry, on Metcalf and I had Metcalf yeah. ranked ahead of Lockett. And my reasoning for that was just that I sort of you know, I realized that in any honest set of projections for twenty twenty you would have to have Tyler Lockett coming in with better numbers than DK Metcalf, but you know, I thought Lockett's range of outcomes was a little more narrow, whereas, like, I think on the upper end of, of Metcalf's range, you had, like, Randy Moss-type stuff because he's just, like, this, you know, total unicorn with his uh, physical traits and athleticism. So um, I was excited. You know, I didn't know what the what the target tree was going to look like if, if Philip Dorsett was going to become a – viable third wide out or if David Moore was going to play a role. But, um, you know, I, I was definitely chasing Metcalf because he has this crazy skill set and then, you know, the quarterback to unlock it. Yeah, Metcalf had a weird play. I don't know if you guys saw it. He caught this long ball. It would have been a touchdown, but he slowed down and uh, the cornerback, I forget who, came from behind and and punched it out and it went through the end zone for a turnover, right? Or a touchback. So, uh, um, yeah, I don't know. Does that, <laughs> I don't know about what the Seattle coaches think of that. Do you think that, uh, they, they stop looking his way so much or, uh, is this just a, just a sort of sophomore mistake? Yeah, it's funny. Like, it's funny. I mean, cause Carroll is kind of an old school head coach. You always hear about how, like, he makes guys sort of fight for, um, you know, their, their jobs in training camp and no one has job security. And we kind of saw that with Russell Wilson, like after Matt Hasselbeck had signed, wait, was it? No, it wasn't Matt Hasselbeck. Oh my, I'm a Packer fan too. And I can't think of the name of the backup quarterback they signed for big money. Matt Flynn. Oh, thank you. Thank you, right. Matt. Yeah, Matt Flynn. So he was supposed to come in and be the starter, but they draft Russell Wilson and, you know, whatever round and, and Russ comes and is just great from the get-go in training camp and steals the job. So, um, you know, like since Carroll is sort of this old school tough guy coach, you would think that maybe Metcalf would be in the doghouse for that. But I, I just don't think um, he can be. And then he comes back and he, he did have a touchdown catch after yeah. that, I believe. So, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like I, he's definitely going to hear about it. I'm sure, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not too worried about it curtailing, uh, you know, what's looking like it's going to be a breakout season for DK Metcalf. Yeah, I mean, like, like we were talking about, like the wide receiver core is thin. Like they have Freddie Swain and David Moore and that's it. <laughs> like, like <laughs> what are these guys doing? They decided to let, let, let Russ cook and they're like, all right, you get like two wide outs. And, and that's it. But like, I mean, to Russ's credit, he makes like everyone look good. I mean, like, these are the two white outs that like suit his skill set so well. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and sort of, you know, these, the opposite guys, like the, you know, the just big physically dominant boundary receiver. And then, you know, the, the quicker guy who can just be deployed all over the field. So yeah, I mean, it's just such a fun, Fun duo to see work with Ross. 
All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Pat Fitzmorris. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at Fitz underscore FF. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on Apple Podcasts. For Hassan Rahim on Twitter at HRR5010, I'm Blair Andrews at Am I the Real Blair? Thanks for listening. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonus today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.